Today I'll be reading from Matthew, beginning chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were They were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it. And stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, It will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. You may be seated. Well, during... um the break between services, I was kind of racking my brain trying to figure out how in the world to segue from um, 20 years of ministry together set to the tune of the Beverly Hillbillies, um, <laughs> which I think was a fine program, um, to, to where we're going today in Scripture, and I and I failed. I can't do that. So, But, but I do want to say, um, since I'm the guy with the mic right now... Um, we love you, and we are so grateful to the Lord uh, for the privilege of serving our Savior and our King together. 
And what we have been privileged to see, all of us who have been together over the years, is the Lord faithfully um, building his church, the Lord faithfully equipping his disciples to reach the communities of Kootenai County and, and to reach around the world with the gospel. That's what, that's what we want to celebrate. And frankly, that does relate to where we're going in, in Matthew's gospel this morning. You notice that we're uh, focusing on what it means to be a disciple. And so I want to ask you just to just, you know, when you hear that word disciple, what, what primarily comes to your mind? Uh, is it perhaps um, taking in knowledge about Jesus? That's what it is to be a disciple, taking in knowledge about Jesus, growing in our understanding of the, the wonder of who he is and what he has done and, and will yet do for his people. And that, and that is a wonderful thing for us to be doing. We're doing it right now. Um, but that is an incomplete picture of a disciple. I, I trust you know, you who are believers in Jesus, that the, the balanced Christian life is not only inward like that, growing in our knowledge of the Lord, growing in his grace um, together, but also um, the outward life, uh, the, the life that is all bound up in expressing the compassionate heart and the soul-saving message of our Jesus, uh, sharing that with others and, and teaching others to follow Christ. Um, the, the, I mentioned this because the, the notion of Christians simply taking in more information about Jesus with, with no visible gospel outflow to those who need Jesus um, is completely foreign to the New Testament. Um, to be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. And so this is... Um, you know, you know, perhaps to some of you, you're thinking, well, this is kind of big crayon stuff. Um, let's put it this way with the big crayon, all right? All disciples are meant to learn from Jesus and imitate Jesus in bringing the message of Jesus to others. And so, so, I, so I ask us this morning just to consider the balance of our Christian life. Is it in balance in that sense? The inflow the outflow. I mentioned last week, and I, and I don't know about you, but I don't remember most of yesterday, so I'll, re, I'll repeat this for your benefit. I mentioned last week that as we, as we wade into Matthew 10, we, we want to be cautious. Uh, some of what was just read uh, applies exclusively to 12 men in Israel um, as Jesus walked this earth. Some of what was read applies to all disciples for all time. Um, that means you, if you are a follower of Jesus. And so Matthew 10 is a passage that contains for us both descriptive truth, okay, and prescriptive truth. Uh, why does that matter? I can see that on some of your faces. Is this where this thing is going? Because I don't know if I'm in. Um, why, why does that matter to us? We don't want to apply from Scripture to ourselves things that do not apply to us, okay? That, that is an error that happens among Christians. Descriptive truth is simply the record of what has happened in history, and it's very important. 
but it is descriptive of, of, of actual history, okay? You're going to get really frustrated if you're running around trying to raise people from the dead. Because in Matthew 10, it says disciples did that. Maybe less tongue-in-cheek, um, you're going to be misled if you listen to those today who insist that they are apostles. And there are many of them running around these days. Um, there are no apostles today in the sense that we just heard read to us in Scripture. There are no people uniquely gifted to heal in the manner that the apostles were uniquely gifted to heal here in Matthew 10, cast out demons and so forth. Um, does God still work miracles today? Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, secondly, we don't want to overcorrect. We, we, we don't want to dismiss what's described here in Matthew 10 as if nothing applies to us today. That is also an error that some Christians fall into. I mentioned this when we began our look at the Sermon on the Mount. You know, there, there are those who would say, well, wait a minute, that was, that was a different dispensation, you see. All of that Sermon on the Mount people stuff doesn't really apply to us people. Uh, we're, we're grace people, not law people. Um, Jesus is only talking to Jews living under the law at that time. So, so prescriptive truth is that which is not only descriptive of history, but, it, but it, it prescribes or it commands, it instructs us in what we should do today. And I'm mentioning this at the onset, not to be tedious, but just to, you know, as, as we head into Matthew 10, we're going to see both, and we, and we want to be careful that way. Handle Scripture in balance and also in context. Remember the, the, the wonderful context here is what? Jesus looking out at the lost in Galilee, the crowds, and seeing all of those people as those who were as sheep without a shepherd, those who have been ravaged by the enemy of souls, those whose lives even bear evidence of their alienation from God, no no one to lead them, no one to feed them truth, uh, no one to... um, guide them into God's best for their lives. And, and, and it broke the Savior's heart. Um, Jesus sees people living on the very outskirts of hell and they don't even know it. And, and he's moved with compassion, Matthew says. And, and Jesus, our king, sees not only people as sheep without a shepherd, but he, but he sees all of the lost as this vast harvest field of souls for the kingdom of God. But, but there are too few laborers, too few workers for this great harvest. And so the, the first thing we notice here in verse 1 of Matthew 10 is that the very ones who are praying uh, as the Lord instructed that he would send out workers for the harvest need to be ready to, to be God's answer to that prayer. Because that's exactly what happened to these disciples. It says, and summoning his 12, Jesus gave them authority. Notice the word summoning or or, or called. I think most of your Bibles probably say, um, the king chooses his own gospel messengers. Um, They're not self-appointed. They're not um, selected from a group of really eager volunteers, you know, that sort of thing. They're chosen according to the king's sovereign will. 
And if you're a Christian this morning, more on that later, it's because you have been chosen by the king's sovereign will. Jesus chooses his followers, his disciples. Jesus chooses those who will be his gospel messengers. How many of you know Jesus does not ask for volunteers when it comes to his mission? He he, is not asking in scripture today, hey, show of hands, who, who really wants to have some skin in the game when it comes to this mission thing? No, all believers have been called, summoned by the king to carry out his gospel mission. Now, for all believers, that will look different and it will take place in different areas, but, but all have been so chosen or called uh, to this gospel mission. At the end of Matthew's gospel, as you know, we have what? The, the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And then he says, lo, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You're not on your own in this. I'm with you in this. And why, why, why is this so important for us? Well, Jesus has just said, it's because the, the harvest is, is plentiful. It's vast. And yet the, the laborers, the, the workers are few. Now, all of that is prescriptive truth. And you've heard all of that before, haven't you? What is descriptive truth? Unique to the 12. These 12 disciples, apostles, are going to begin a unique missionary internship, on-the-job training, if you will, with Jesus himself. That's what an apostle was, by the way. From the larger group of disciples... Uh, Jesus calls 12 who will be apostles, and and the men called and trained by Jesus personally, uh, who who would later be eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ, um, that's an apostle. You can read more about that. In fact, you might want to write this in your neighbor's Bible. Um, I'm still going to use that material, by the way. Don't don't worry about me being discouraged by that song at all. it's, all, it's the only material I have. Um, what, what was I talking about? Um, it, Acts 1, 21 and 22 gives you a little bit more about what, what it meant to be an apostle, okay? These 12 men are going to be sent with the same message and the same um, authority, although it's a delegated authority from Jesus, and they're going to do the same things they saw Jesus do, the stuff that we studied back in chapters 8 and 9. And, and, and the, the narrative here in, in Matthew's gospel is such that we're really not meant to think of the 12 as really big deals at all. I mean, very little is said about them here. Frankly, what's, what's most striking about these men is how ordinary they are. Um, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. It, 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 it's tempting to take an excursion 
um, and, and just say, okay, what do we know about all of these guys? Well, well, we'll know more about some of them later in Matthew's gospel. I find it striking that Matthew doesn't do that here. He doesn't say, hey, let me tell you all about Peter. Let me, let me tell you all about James. Clearly, his first readers, first century Jewish Christians, knew all about the apostles. Um, but more importantly for us, the details, the backgrounds, uh, the, the, the natural abilities they had, whatever they were, um, are really not what matters at all. The extraordinary one in this passage is the king, is Jesus. Um, the extraordinary king, Jesus, calls ordinary people to himself and then empowers them and then sends them into his harvest. And so if you're, if you're a believer here today and you're thinking, you know, I just, I just don't know that I'm, that I'm up to this, you know, being on mission in my neighborhood, you know, being an ambassador for Jesus. Well, you just are. He, he makes it so, okay? Um, we can pause here, I suppose. Are you pressed for time? Because you, some of your faces, you look very weary. We can say a little bit about these guys. Um, two sets of brothers among the apostles. That's kind of interesting. Um, sons of Thunder, Peter and John. Um, or excuse me, Peter and Andrew, and then the sons of Thunder, James and John. But I want us to just think about their diversity for a minute. Peter is the, the headstrong optimist, right? Thomas is the, the, the doubting pessimist. I mean, you can just imagine how some of their conversations went. You got a, you've got a Tigger and an Eeyore... Uh, we're on the, on the same team, and, and they're going to do just fine by God's grace. You, you, you've got Simon, the one-time zealot. He's a political activist who hates Rome. It's time to rise up against the oppressor. Um, where do we hear that these days? And, and then there's Matthew, who once collected taxes for Rome. And there are opposite ends of the spectrum here, politically. John was destined to write much of our New Testament. And, and yet, um, James, the son of Alphaeus, um, sometimes referred to as James the Less. He's not John's brother, J another James, James the Less. Why? Because we don't know much about him at all. He's obscure in terms of history that we know, but certainly not in the kingdom. He obviously fulfilled the mission that the king had called him to. That my, my point is simply this. What unites them is their allegiance to Jesus. What, what unites them is their allegiance to the king. Who the king's messengers are is not nearly as important as whose they are. These are the master's men, if you will. These, these are Jesus' men. And, and they're handpicked here by the king um, to serve as his 12 apostles, personally sent ones, uniquely empowered by Jesus to, to carry out this mission. That's all descriptive truth, okay? All disciples are not empowered with the same authority over unclean spirits, diseases. Um, for a season, these 12 and some others that we'll read about are. The, this apostolic empowerment uh, validated that they were continuing the mission begun by Jesus, okay? Now, why 12, do you suppose? It's a nice round number. 
Um, but why not seven? I mean, that would be more in, intimate, wouldn't it? Um, or or wh why not a baker's dozen? Why not 13? Since one of them's a dirt bag, we know that. Why, I mean, why not 13? Kind of like a jury, you know, you've got to have alternates. Um, there were 12 tribes that comprised the nation Israel in its completeness. 12 in Scripture speaks of completeness. So here is Jesus, the promised one, who would crush the serpent's head back in Genesis 3, uh, the, the Yahweh's anointed king of, of Psalm 2, uh, the, the suffering servant of, of Isaiah. Um, this king has come, and he's now calling to himself and into his service the men who would comprise the nucleus of uh, the, the true Israel of God. Under a new and, and better covenant. A covenant that all of the other covenants in Scripture build toward. The covenant Isaiah, excuse me, Israel's prophets repeatedly spoke about. Um, although in types and, and, and shadows. This, this king, this, this Messiah, this one who would suffer for his people has come. So as the, as the New Testament church is, is being born God is fulfilling his promises to believing Israel. Um, fulfillment theology, that is sometimes called. Why is it called that? Simply because God does not have separate plans of salvation for Israel and for Gentiles, the church. Um, in this commissioning of the 12, God is fulfilling his covenant promise to Abraham, remember Genesis 12, um, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is a global thing. In fact, Peter would later tell the church, um, Jews and Gentiles, listen to 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you think about those phrases, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. Um, these terms applied uniquely to Israel in the Old Testament and now are given to all of, who, who believe upon Christ and follow him as king. So, so the apostles, the 12, symbolizing the 12 tribes, functioned as the, as, as the, the nucleus, if you will, of um, the Israel of God. Descriptive truth, right? What, what's prescriptive for us today? Well, frankly, the one thing that unites disciples today, Jews and Gentiles, uh, Tiggers and Eeyores, whatever, Republicans and, and the others, um, <laughs> is, uh, listen, allegiance to the king. That's the salient point. We, we don't seek unity around things like race, skin color, um, politics, education, finances, um, how we school our children, you know, wh whether we're blue collar or white collar, 
um, most of these guys are blue collar in our, in our vernacular, w w whether Jew or Gentile. No, remember the gospel tears all that down. Our commonality is allegiance to the king and his mission. These 12, verse 5, Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember from last week, the, the king's mission starts at home. It start, started right among uh, his own people, just as God had promised God's fulfillment of his covenant promise to Abraham demanded that the descendants of Abraham, their own people, hear the gospel of the kingdom first. And, and so they will. And, and so they have. Gentiles are going to be saved the same way as the Jews. The, the Gentiles will be grafted into the Israel of God. Um, so the, the Jews of Jesus' day were the starting point. Right then, Samaria, and then to the ends of of the world. So, so not to belabor it, but but what is descriptive here? History. We are not all apostles. We we are not all empowered in the way the apostles are were empowered at that time. But but what is descriptive? Um, or excuse me, prescriptive. All disciples are called. Being on mission for Jesus is not a special class of Christian. It's not graduate level Christianity. This is Christianity 101. Not just taking in information about Jesus, but being moved with compassion to make more disciples of Jesus. And we're empowered by our King to do this very thing as diverse as we all are. Verse 7, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, the, the gospel is a summons to repent and follow the king. The, the, the gospel is not that if you, you know, Jesus is just hoping against hope that you'll accept him. I mean, he's just knocking outside the door of your heart, just desperate for you to turn to him. No, Jesus is God. He is God, the eternal son, and he has come to judge the living and the dead one day. Uh, but, but before that, he's come to save his people. He, he's giving to his people um, the, 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 the blessing of seeking shelter in him. Blessed are those who seek shelter in him, says Psalm 2. Um, the eternal king, God himself, you know, born into time, born into humanity to do everything necessary to save his people from their, their sins. I would submit to you that this is good news. That this is good news that needs to be shared. So today is the day to repent of your sins if you've not done so. Today is the day to yield your allegiance to this king, not just gain more information about him. He is your only shelter from God's wrath for your sin. He, he's the narrow gate, the king has said. The only gate that leads to life. Now, obviously, you're still listening. 
Obviously, in Matthew 10, the apostles could not yet preach the cross. Uh, they, they could not yet preach the resurrection. These things had not occurred yet in their experience. But, but soon they will preach Christ crucified. His blood alone shed on Calvary's cross. The only thing that atones for the sins of his people. His resurrection to life attesting to his authority to justify his people. Listen to um, the gospel preached uh, at Pentecost. This is from Acts 3. The things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Wow, that's good news. How would first century Jews know that this Jesus, or excuse me, these disciples, misfits that they are, um, really are continuing the mission that Jesus began? Well, in verse 8, Jesus tells them, you guys go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received freely give. Jesus gave the 12 supernatural power, his power, to confirm their message by performing the same miracles Jesus performed. Luke 10 tells us that Jesus would would also send out 70 later, um, empowering them likewise, supernaturally. But, But even then, he warned them against what disciples today tend to do. Get really attracted to the signs. Get really attracted to the, the wonders, the miracles, and miss what those signs point to, the king. And so, and so he said to them, hey, they said, they said Jesus, you're not going to believe this. Um, we could, even the demons do what we tell them to do. And Jesus said, hey, um, you should just rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. That's, that's the big deal. The king has come, and he's come to save his people. The, the point is their works verified their words. Um, again, this is all descriptive truth. What, what, what's prescriptive for us today? Well, certainly we are empowered by the Lord to show compassion toward the lost. We just heard a wonderful example of that in, in, in Faces for Hope. We are equipped of the Lord to speak his truth in the unique context that he has placed us in, in our lives. Uh, so, so the issue is never, you know, we're not up to it. Um, the issue sometimes might be we're not engaging him. Walk with the king and he will enable you to explain to others that they need a savior and why. Walk with the king, and in his own way, he will equip you to point them to the cross. He'll, he'll even give you uh, the patience and the courage that you feel you don't have now um, to share the gospel with that neighbor. And in fact, the, the church throughout history has led the way in compassion toward those in need, caring for the sick whether it's physical sickness or, or, or spiritual sickness. That, that is the heart of our king. 
And so Christ's disciples are called to compassion today. Not, not isolation, compassion, outward. And our works most certainly verify our gospel words. I, I don't know about you guys, but, but my neighbors probably aren't going to be super open to hearing about Jesus from me if all I've shown them is indifference. At the risk of being practical. What, 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 what have we freely received from Christ? <laughs> Everything. The truth of the gospel, kindness, grace, patience, forbearance, mercy, uh, generosity. In other words, however the king treats us, <laughs> um, we're enabled to imitate in the treatment of others. And, and we're enabled to do so in such a way that there are no strings attached. We don't need to be repaid for this. We don't need to have our name uh, on somebody's building for this. Uh, and so Jesus says, hey, do not acquire gold or silver or, silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two tunics or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay there until you leave. That's a, that's a statement of contentment, right? Now, as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let, let your peace return to you. Um, this is going to be a short trip for these guys, the 12. It's, it's going to be like going to Spokane or Wallace. They don't need to have a fundraiser. They, they really don't. Jesus is not sending them out penniless. Uh, he's sending them to towns they know. He's sending them among a people group, if you will, that they know. Um, they don't need travel insurance. Um, it, it's going to be a short trip. And it's going to be short not only in terms of distance, but in terms of, of duration. So the, the reason I mention this is this passage has nothing to do with, um, you know, if you just have enough faith, you, you don't have to plan for anything. You just need to have faith. Um, that, that's not what this is, is really talking about at all. Uh, how many of you are glad that when our team leaves for Togo next weekend, are you praying for the Togo team? Thank you. Um, they're bringing stuff. They planned ahead. So, so did this church. So did some of you. In fact, um, before his crucifixion, Jesus began to prepare these apostles for what they would experience later, taking the gospel to the nations, and he, and he, and not just the Jews who rejected their Messiah. And he, and he said this, he said, when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, did you lack anything? No. And so he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword should sell his garment and buy one. Okay? So the, 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 the prescriptive truth for us here in, in Matthew 10 is we, we probably don't need to do a whole lot more study and planning for whether to go share Christ with our neighbor. We could probably just go do that. We, we don't need to hold a fundraiser. That sort of thing. If we had missionaries here who, who got us all worked up that they were, go, they were going on a missionary journey and, and somebody had the nerve to say, hey, where are you going? And they said, Sandpoint. Um, you'd say, well, wait a minute. I, I know people in Sandpoint. 
Maybe you could stay with them. You know, maybe, maybe they would even feed you, that sort of thing. So th- th- this is not rocket science, but, but it, we get confused if we immediately apply it to us what is simply descriptive of history. What we need to know is that disciples can and in fact must trust the king to supply what is needful for their mission. Jesus equips everything that he calls you to. Now, that's not just true in missions. That's true in your family relationships. You who are married, you wonder if you're ever going to have it in you to, 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 to do marriage God's way. Well, the thing is, is he has that, and he's going to provide that faithfully as you walk in obedience to him. Anyway, there are subtle ways, I suppose, that, that people want to be paid for taking, you know, compassion to others. I'm always amazed when we go to fundraisers that our church has a table at, how many fundraising schemes play on the fact that people really like to be noticed as compassionate. And the, and the whole fundraiser is set up so you get to, you get to see who the, uh, the, the hot shots are who, 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 who buy all this stuff. And, and I got to tell you, um, I, I find that wrong in, in light of what we're reading here in Matthew 10. I mean, that, that is man's base instinct to want the attention, Right? But, but there are other ways that we like to get paid for stuff. We, we want to be paid with recognition. You know, we, we want to be paid with appreciation. We, we want to be paid with gratitude and, and notoriety. And, you know, your name can be on the fence, you know, that, that sort of thing. We want the neighbors or the family members to admire us, um, even if the neighbors and family members won't believe us about Jesus. And the thing of it is here, you're going to notice in Matthew 10 as we work through it, we're not promised any of that. What we're promised is there is a harvest. We're the laborers. And by the way, some people will hate you. Some people will persecute you. Some people will have nothing to do with you. And so that means we've got to let God determine the outcome of what happens with our compassion. We've got to let God determine the outcome of what happens with our complaining. Success for us is obedience to the king, not not the results we feel like we got out of it. Does that make sense? Okay. Just look at the evidence here. Verse 14, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you leave that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. You know, when, when Jews traveled to Gentile areas, um, marketplaces and so forth, and they went back home uh, or went back to their hometowns, um, they would shake the, the dirt off their sandals. It was a rebuke to the pagans that they had just spent time among. They don't even want pagan soil, Gentile soil on their sandals. Um, what's interesting to me here, what's instructive for us, I think, is Jesus is telling these Jewish men to do this to their fellow Jews. How interesting. What, what severity Jesus views these fellow Jews who would reject the gospel of the kingdom. And, and, and many will, he tells the 12. 
uh, I, I want you to send them a very clear message that they are just as lost as anybody else, as the Gentiles. They need to see that even though they're Jews and they have the scriptures and they go to the synagogue and they travel to Jerusalem from time to time, even though they sing the songs that David wrote about the Messiah, to reject the Messiah is to be in rebellion against God. It is to be just as lost as anybody outside of Judaism. So, so what is the, the, the prescriptive truth here for those of us who are not Jews in the first century who wear sandals every day? What, what does this have to do with us? And I, I beg you to hear this before we close. And then mostly I mean that. We're, we're almost done. Um, do, you, do you realize that this is a picture of how serious it is for God to have kept his promises to you and yet you're indifferent? Do you realize God promised to send a deliverer to rescue the sons of Adam, the daughters of Eve, all touched by the curse of sin, all fallen, all apart from God? And he has, he has done so. He's done this very thing. And, and to sit in a church Sunday after Sunday, hearing about Christ and his person and his work uh, and remaining indifferent it, it, it is more offensive to God than if you were somewhere else this morning just living a, a, a debauched lifestyle. Says who? Says Jesus. Says Jesus. Yes, there are wicked people living in wicked places today. The world still has it, it, its Sodoms and, and its Gomorrahs, doesn't it? Uh, but, but for those of you who, who have received so many kindnesses from the Lord all your life and to be blessed to hear the good news of his rescue and yet to remain indifferent, to, to, to remain unmoved, unsurrendered. Do you realize that's an even higher offense to God than those we're so prone to shake our fingers at? And I wouldn't want you to take that from me. Look at, look at verse 15. Truly I say to you, in other words, bank on this, says Jesus, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for, for that city. Wow. Those who had received so much from God, those who had been set apart to be God's own witness people to the nations, to hear and see the Messiah, to hear from his appointed messengers that the king has come and, 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 he, and, he's, and he's come to reclaim God's world and God's people for God's glory, to hear all of that and see evidence of that and yet remain indifferent to the king. Um, well, judgment is coming. And I, and I mention that for two reasons. The, the first one I've already explained, but also to remind us that as we bring the gospel to our Galilee uh, and, and, and as we perhaps experience being rejected, indifference, 
You don't get invited to the parties anymore because you're one of the Jesus people. That stuff. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have to be personally offended. We, we, we don't have to be sinfully angry. We don't have to be calif- cavalier and argumentative when we experience this sort of thing. Um, they're rejecting the king, not us. And, and it's the king who will judge. So we're, we're not jilted salespeople when that happens. And how many of you know the gospel is not a sales pitch? It's an invitation of mercy from God. And so we just, we just commend others' eternal destiny, judgment or mercy, to God himself. Well, the, the harvest is plentiful. The, the, the workers are few, says Jesus, and so we pray. And as we pray, we're not surprised if he calls our number and sends us out in some unique way. And we can trust that he'll empower us to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the, the truth of your word. And we thank you for reminding us something that we, many of us have heard many, many times. That, Lord, to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. It's just that we're, we, we've a tendency to forget that. We have a tendency to think of that as something that's for others. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just so work in our hearts that we would, we would have your compassion for the lost. Lord, we would, we would have faith in your enablement, not our own natural ability. And, Lord, that we would expect um, not only opposition, as you say, But, Lord, we would expect that this is your chosen means of bringing your harvest in, just using ordinary people like us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name.